to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. If you have your Bible, would you grab it with me today and turn to the book of John, uh, the book of John chapter 20, John chapter 20. And uh, we have kicked off this year over the past few weeks. We've been in a series really setting uh, the course and the vision for where we're going uh, in 2019 or kind of a theme that helps bring it all together uh, around the Jesus life together. And today I I really feel that even as we have uh, been in that, that God is leading us into a new season uh, as a church, Uh, that God is bringing us in specifically to a new season of mission and a new season of uh, what he's wanting to do in our lives and through our lives. And so we're starting today a series called Church on Mission. Church on Mission. And so I want to read to you a passage of Scripture and uh, just to set the frame for where we're going. And uh, we'll look at a lot of Scriptures today. If you have your Bible, you can look on in John chapter 20. Uh, If you don't, we'll put it up on the screen for you. And also, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one uh, on your way out. We have some Bibles at our connection bar out there. But John chapter 20, and I'm going to read verses 19 to 23. And this is, uh, I'll just give you a little context. This is Jesus' followers, uh, the the 12, actually now 11, who have been with Jesus, following Jesus, living uh, with Jesus day in and day out. And here at this moment, uh, Jesus is preparing to, uh, he's preparing. And he is now uh, transitioning them uh, into a new season where he's going to send them out. And look at what it says in John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he has said this, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, "Receive the Holy Spirit." What a, a powerful uh, account! As Jesus is preparing to uh, go back to heaven, as he's he's imparting his life, he's imparting his spirit into his disciples. It was a change of season that required a change of perspective, and you know, there over the last. Um, 20, 25 years, uh, really, I mean, there's always change, but we have been in a season of accelerated change in our culture. And uh, lots of things that change. Uh, Anybody, you've been around long enough to see some seasons come and seasons go? Any of you? Anybody seen any styles come and then styles go? Anybody been around long enough to see the styles come back again? Anybody, if you've been into... Urban Outfitters lately, it's like the 90s are back. If anybody noticed that, 90s are back. I remember when I was a kid, people would say, hold on to your stuff. Everything comes in cycles, and uh, it, those cycles just come faster than you would expect. It's amazing. Uh, but one of the things that I remember as a kid that, that is actually back in vogue again is uh, taking photos with film. Uh, film uh, was out. And now it's actually kind of back. Did y'all know that? It's kind of a trendy thing to take photos with film again. And, uh, but I remember when there was no digital photos, when we would take all photos were taken with film. And uh, maybe you remember that kind of season, that time when you would take a photo. Do you remember? Now we take a photo and we look right away and we know what it is. But do you remember when you took a photo 
And then you had to wait. Do you remember that? Like, you'd take a photo, and you didn't know if it was good. It would be like, you know, maybe you still have like rolls of film laying around that you're not quite sure if they're good or not. But it was always, there was this process of, of waiting to see what the photo would be like. And do you remember the excitement of going to the drugstore or Walmart or wherever it was that you would get your photos developed? How many of you remember the excitement of opening up those photos? Remember that? Like that was so exciting to see whether it was a good picture or not. And the reality is, really, there was one measurement by which you determined whether it was a good photo or not, how you looked in that photo. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's amazing. Like, you can look at a photo of a crowd of people in, in your eyes immediately, as if you don't know what you look like, you begin to look for yourself, and you go, oh, that's a good photo. That's, that's a good one. It doesn't matter. Everybody else, their hair could be messed up. They could have spinach in their teeth. They could be looking the other way. But if you look good, that is a good photo. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, the reality is, is that many of us can live our lives that way. We can live our lives with, with ourselves really as the focus of our attention, the focus of our, uh, of our eyes, of our vision, that everything else centers around us, and that if it is good with us, if we are doing good, then we feel like everything is good. And here Jesus is really, I believe he's wanting to expand our vision, even as we are talking about living the Jesus life together. He says this, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I believe that Jesus is just expanding our vision that, that if we are to live the, the life of Jesus, the vision that he wants to give us is not a selfie vision. It's a world vision. It's a global vision. It's an expansive vision. And, and really, if we were to understand what God's vision for ourselves is in 2019, we need to understand that it's not just about ourselves. It's not just about us. It's actually far beyond us. And this heart that Jesus is communicating, the sentness of God, is crucial to understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus because you cannot separate the life of Jesus from the, the life of being sent or being on mission. It's not just about how we feel, but there is, a, there is an objective that God is after, and that is that every one of us would live for other people, that we would live for something beyond ourselves. In fact, this is a theme that runs throughout all of the scripture, and I want to just give you some scriptures today that hopefully will help us to, to grab hold of that reality. And you think about even in the beginning of, of creation, the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1.26, the, the, the Bible says this, that God spoke let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let us make them, male and female, let us make them, it says. And that really, even from the very beginning, we begin to hear this heart of God that has an expansive vision, a global vision, a, a vision that is always reaching and expanding and zooming out beyond just ourselves. Why is that? It's, it's at its core because the nature of God is others-centered. 
The nature of God is centered not just on self, but it's centered on others. Even in the, in the very nature of who God is, there is an otherness in God. There's an otherness. I don't know if you realize this, but one of the, really the core truths of the Bible is that God is three persons in one God. Now, I won't explain that all today. I'll wait until Nate preaches sometime and let him explain that so that it's clear to everybody. But I want you to understand that God contains within himself an otherness. There is a one anotherness in God. And if there is any person in all of the world that deserves to live self-centered, it would be God. But God does not live self-centered. God lives others-centered. Even within the, the, the persons of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three unique persons, but all loving and expressing life to one another. The Bible says this, that the Father has sent the Son. And, and not only has He sent the Son, but He has given the Son the name which is above every other name. So the Father is preferring. He is, he is giving and sending the Son. And then the Son is sending the Spirit. And, and he, Jesus said, it's actually better for me to go away so that the Spirit will come. And then what happens when the Spirit comes, the Spirit draws us back to Jesus. The Bible says that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit leads us back to the Son and then the Son leads us back to the Father, and there is this beautiful one-anotherness within God, that God in Himself is others-centered. It's the core of the, the nature of who God is, that He is focused on others. Out of that, he, out of that love that he, that he experienced even in Himself, He went on and it says He made mankind in His image. And it says this in Genesis 1.28, that he said, be fruitful and multiply. I love that, that even as God made mankind, he had a plan for more. It wasn't just about Adam and Eve. It wasn't just about having a nice little clique that could hang out together and just enjoy their life together. He, even in creating mankind, he was other-centered in his creation. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, reflecting the other-centeredness of God. Of course, if you've read the Bible, you know that that lasts for about three chapters, and then everything goes very, very badly, right? And um, we know that mankind sinned against God, and, and ultimately that sin was about selfishness. It was about self-centeredness, self-focusedness, rather than others-centeredness. And sin came in, but God already had a plan of redemption. And we see in Genesis chapter 12 that God chose a man named Abram, and he said, Abram, I will bless you. I will bless you. I have chosen you, and I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And he says this, through you, all the nations, all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. What was he saying? He was once again declaring the other's centeredness of God. 
that the blessing for Abraham wasn't just for Abraham. It was that Abraham, not that he would be a cul-de-sac of blessing, but that he would be a highway of blessing. Have you ever wondered why you park in a driveway and drive in a parkway? That has nothing to do with my message, but it's just food for thought, okay? God doesn't want you to be a driveway. He wants you to be a parkway. He says to Abram, I'm, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to bless you. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, Abram didn't even have any children at that time. He, he, he didn't have an heir of his own. But God said, Abram, I want you to get out. I want you to focus on others. I want you to move out on mission. And here's what I want you to notice is that Abram wasn't called to wait until he had the promise, until he had the blessing. He wasn't called to wait until that happened before he went. He was called to go, and the growing was in the going. The, the blessing of God came as he was moving out on mission. The multiplication happened in the movement. You see, God, much of what God does requires movement on our part. That, would, that was worth an amen. Much of what God does requires some action on our part. Some people have the mindset of, I'm just waiting for God to do something. But I believe God is often waiting for us to do something. You see, the life of God, I think it's kind of like, like you know, maybe security lights on your house. It's motion activated. The power of God is motion activated activated and God told Abram I want you to get out move out and, and, and what happened as he went the multiplication was in the movement the blessing came through him going stepping out why because God is others centered it wasn't just for Abram to camp out and have his nice little huddle and have his little family and do their little things it was always about God wanting to bless the world through him God's blessing is always to be bigger than ourselves. And we see that throughout the theme of the Old Testament. And some of you are like, why are you telling us so many Bible stories today? Because I, I, we need to see that this theme of mission and other-centeredness runs from the beginning of the Bible through to the end of the Bible. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you the whole story of the Bible. I won't read every chapter. But we see the Old Testament. God has chosen these people. They're to be His people. And he's wanting to bless the world through those people. But what happens when the people that you're wanting to work through become the dead end? They turn inward focused. And that's the story of Israel is that the blessing that God wanted to put through them, give through them, they began to hoard it to themselves. And like the manna, it began to rot. And we see again and again throughout the Bible, God raising people up prophetic voices to speak to his people, to call them back on the mission that he has for them. I love the story of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was a prophet and, and uh, he was in Isaiah. The, the nation of Israel was going through turmoil. The king had died. He was a good king, but then he rebelled against God, turned away from God. And Isaiah one day is, is weeping, and he, he's so uh, broken over the condition of his nation. And the Bible says that, that as he's in the temple in Isaiah chapter 6, that, that he saw the Lord. 
He saw the Lord. He saw heaven open and he saw Jesus. And even as he saw Jesus, that that he heard the cry of God. And it was this. It was, who will go for us? And whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? That's the call of God, the cry of God, the heart of God is always sending out. It's always expansive. It's always others-centered, others-focused, outward-moving. It's not about just bringing in, but it brings in so that he can send out. And we see in the life of Jesus, I love the Bible, uh, where the, the way the Bible says it in, I believe it's Mark chapter 3, 14, that Jesus called to himself those he himself wanted that he might send, that they might be with him, that he might send them out. So even in the calling to come, there was already the intention to send. Jesus always draws us into his presence so that he can send us out in his power. He always draws us in, not just so we can have snuggle time with Jesus, not just so that we can feel good about our life, but, but innate in the life of God is the call of God to go, to look beyond ourselves, to look beyond our comfort, our pleasure, our world, to look to those and look at those that are beyond ourselves. And Jesus, again and again throughout the Bible, is sending people out. Have you ever noticed Jesus didn't stop and, and just build this, you know, monstrosity of a ministry. He was always sending people. He, was, he, he would call people, and he would, they would spend a little time with him, and then they'd say, okay, you're going to go out. And how many of you know that normally when Jesus sent people out, they felt totally unprepared? Like, when Jesus was leaving, we would have looked at those guys and we would have said, these, are, these guys are in no condition to be left to themselves, Jesus. Jesus, they need another semester in Bible school. They need some, they need some further work, Jesus. And it's so easy to turn inward when God, God's call and God's purpose is always outward focused. It's easy, even within the church, to turn inward inward, but I want you to understand this, that so much of what God does is connected to the going. It's connected to the sending. Notice he says, my peace, I leave with you. As I have sent, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Notice that the peace was connected to the sending. Many people don't experience the peace of God because they are not on the mission of God. Because the peace is connected to the mission. It's connected to the call to go. And here's what I want you to understand today is that you are made for mission. You are made for mission. You are made in the image of God. You carry within you the life of God, the spirit of God, the DNA of God. And so you are made the Latin phrase is the imago day it's the image of god and the imago day is connected to the missio day the missio day is the mission of god and the imago day is connected to the missio day in other words 
If you are not living on mission, if you're not embracing the life of God to live for something beyond yourselves and your own comfort, you are missing out on the fullness of what God has created you for. To, to disconnect from the mission of God is to live less than fully human. It is to live less than your authentic self. Why? Because you were made in the image of a missional God. Why is it that when kids are young, they have big dreams of changing the world? I mean, if you talk to a kid about what they want to be, it's always out there, right? And sometimes you're like, well, let's just kind of bring that down, you know? Let me just kill your dreams today. But there's something in us that even as we're kids that, that we're thinking out there, we're thinking bold, we're thinking expansive, we're thinking global, we're thinking world-changing. But why is it that over time life has a way of just shrinking it down to me, myself, and I? Why is it that over time life has a way of shrinking our vision just to, I'm just trying to get through the week. I'm just trying to I'm, I'm just trying to build my 401k. I'm just trying to, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to get my home organized. Like my joy, I'm just trying to, I just, want my, I just want my shirts folded nice and neatly in my drawers. Right? Anybody watching Marie? That's awesome. But God's made you for something more than living a life with just nice, neat drawers. He's made you for a purpose and a mission. And if you are not living on mission, you are living for less than what God has made you for. And so there is a longing in our hearts to, to make an impact, to do something beyond ourselves. This is the, the paradox of, of following Jesus. It's the paradox of what it means to follow Jesus. There were some things not in my notes. I have on sticky notes here, so I'm just going to bring them out. Here's the paradox of the gospel. It, Jesus says it this way, Luke 9, 24, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. So if you want to just build your nice life, just perfect, live your best life, have a nice, happy life where it's all about you and you look good and you feel good and you're comfortable, Jesus says this, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The paradox of, of the gospel and the kingdom of God is that the more you focus on others, the more of yourself you become. The more you focus on others, the more of yourself you become. Conversely, the more you focus on yourself, the less of yourself, your true self, your God-intended, God-created self, because you were made in the image of God, who at his very nature is others-centered. And so when you become self-centered, you are disconnecting from the, the DNA that you were created with. And so we often find ourselves, rather than focusing on the sentness, we become focused on the, the selfness, the selfishness. It, it, it's easy for it to happen. Think about with me for just a moment. How many of the problems in our world boil down to people just focusing on themselves? It, I think it could be argued that 
that perhaps all of the problems in the world, all of the challenges that that are in the world that plague our society, that plague our culture, that plague families and, 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 and every aspect of society could be boiled down to self-centeredness. That was the original temptation, right? If you eat this, you will be like God. You, you will be great in and of yourself. You don't need anything beyond yourself. You see, the lie of the enemy is always about self. It's always promoting self. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. This is the, the record of what Lucifer said even as he was falling from heaven. He says this, for, I, for you have said in your heart, Lucifer said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You see, it's all about I. It's all self-centered. And the reality is that, that that same spirit can run so strongly in all of our hearts that we can become so focused on ourselves. And, and the reason for that, partly it's our own sinful nature, but partly it's because we live in a culture that promotes self. We, we live in a culture that is built on the promotion of self. There's a, a great documentary that I've been watching on YouTube. It's called The Century of the Self. And it's all about how in the 20th century, following World War II, much of the uh, ideology that had, had been influential in the development really of the Nazi regime uh, that, that was based on the teaching of, of Sigmund Freud. It was all about the ego and all about the id and all about these internal desires and passions, really what the Bible would just call the flesh. And, and these thoughts uh, were really the thoughts, the driving ideas behind the, the rise of the Nazi empire was the promotion of self, the promotion of uh, of in, inward focusedness. And so after World War II, uh, there was a need now to create a new mission and a new movement even within America. And it's interesting, this documentary that's worth watching, it's all on, uh, on YouTube, but this documentary talks about how uh, Sigmund Freud's nephew, um, his name was um, Edward Bernays, how Edward Bernays took the ideas of his uncle Sigmund Freud about these internal desires and drives that are self-focused and self-centered, and he began to develop what has, what, what has now become public relations, which uh, drives marketing and so much of the consumerism in our culture. And not that those things are bad in and of themselves, but what, I, I, what is so striking in this documentary is that there is an ideology, whether we realize it or not, that pervades our culture that is driven by selfishness. And so they've taken the, the, those drives and those desires and those things have been used now and, and played to us that if we could just have those things, experience those things, gratify those things, that then we would be satisfied. Paul Mazur who was a part of Lehman Brothers in 1927, listen to what he said. He said, we must shift America 
from a needs culture to a desires culture. People must be trained to desire to want new things even before the old things have worn out. Man's desires must overshadow man's needs. So they realized that if they were going to continue to drive the economy, they had to get people to stop thinking in terms of what they needed, and they had to create an insatiable desire for more in people's hearts. Did they succeed? Yes, they succeeded, right? Anybody, you see a commercial and you're like, I've got to have that. I have got to have that. Whatever I used to have, I thought it was good until I saw that. Now I have to have that. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having things, but what I'm saying is that God created you for something more than just acquiring things. He made you for a purpose beyond just yourself. And so really, if I could draw a contrast this morning, I want you to see the contrast between what I would call the me zone and the mission zone. The me zone and the mission zone. The me zone is all about It's really based on those words of Lucifer, I will ascend, I will rise up. It's about what I want, what I need. It it plays out in what one uh, philosopher has called project self. That is the, the ideology behind much of the culture that we live in today that is focused on self, self uh, self-fulfillment, self-accomplishment, project self. It results in isolation dissatisfaction, futility. That's the culture that we live in. Isn't that true for most people today? Anybody ever been to the third world? Have you found that people often are happier when they have less, right? Because we have this drive for more. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having things. I'm saying that there's a purpose greater than that. So we live in that zone, the me zone. I will rise up. But the mission zone is not about what I will do. The mission zone is based on that sending. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So it's it's living for something beyond just self. It's living for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the the reality where God's will and God's purpose pervades every area of our lives. That's the kingdom of God. And it results in power, blessing, peace, and joy. So much of what God offers to us is connected to the blessing, or is connected to the mission. He said to Abram, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. He said to his disciples, my peace I leave with you as I send, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so I believe that for every one of us, as we talk about even living the Jesus life together and God's plan and purpose for us. God doesn't want us to live in the me zone. He doesn't want us to live with ourselves and our own enjoyment, our own pleasure as the ultimate end. He wants to get us out of the me zone and get us on the mission zone, out of the the self and onto the sin, amen? Onto something bigger than just ourselves, just our own desires. He wants to get us from that me zone into the mission zone. And and really, everything in our life ultimately falls into one of these two categories. This is not just kind of an idea. This is a philosophy of life that we either live in that me zone or we live in the mission zone. Our finances, our friendships, our careers, 
think we have that. Maybe we don't have it to put up there, but everything in life. And so I want to challenge you today. Are you living in the me zone, even in church? Is church about me and just enjoying and just taking and just receiving? And that's great, but God wants to get us out of the me zone onto the mission zone, out of the self-centeredness and onto the sentness. Amen? Y'all don't sound as excited as I was when I was preparing the message. I was preaching it to myself. I was excited about it. All right? So I, I believe that that's what God wants, every one of us. And this is, uh, let me just say this, this is not just about doing something that is kind of, you know, the spiritual thing to do. This is the best thing for all of life. If you want friendships, don't live in the me zone. Get on mission. Go be friendly to someone else. If you want, uh, if you want joy, don't just live in the me zone trying to get your own joy. Get into the mission zone. Get into the place that you're living for something beyond just your own joy. Joy is the byproduct, not the cause. It's not the thing that we are pursuing. Blessing is the byproduct. It's not the thing that we are pursuing. And so there's, I want to share with you today four fronts of mission. Everybody's with me this morning? Okay, you're quiet this morning. I'm going to assume that you're just cuddled in because it's cold and rainy outside. But four fronts uh, that, that we have as a church, and there's really, as we look out at the city, there is thousands of ways that we can and should live on mission. There's so many ways that every single one of us can live on mission uh, in our city, that we can influence the world uh, right here in our city. But I want to share with you four things that that really are things that we do together, ways that we express this mission of God, this other-centeredness of God together. The first thing uh, that, that we do is we do international missions. We, we This last year, we sent a, tri uh, a team to El Salvador, and this year, we will be taking at least one more trip. But international missions is such an amazing, amazing thing. How many of you have been on an international missions trip? Would you agree that it is life-changing? There's something that happens. It's amazing. It's like it just motivates you so much for life at home. And although it's an investment into it, would you agree that there is more blessing in going than, than staying, right? I mean, oftentimes I think in international missions trips and short-term missions trips, it's as instrumental or, or perhaps even more instrumental in the lives of the people who go than the lives of the people who, who receive. Because there's something that happens when we go beyond ourselves. And I want you to understand that to live the Jesus life, to, to be a follower of Jesus means to have a heart for the nations of the world. To have a heart for the nations. To have a heart for people beyond us, that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't, don't live culturally the same way that we do. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus didn't go just to people who looked like him, that acted like him, that, were, that had the same status that he had. Aren't you glad that, that he went to those who were not like him? Amen? He, he came to us. That would be a good, like, yes, I'm so excited about that. 
So international missions, caring for the, the globe, caring for the world is the heart of God. The second thing that we do is, is uh, social justice. The Bible says this in James chapter 1, verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is to visit or to go to orphans and widows in their trouble. So caring for people that cannot care for themselves. That's what we did over Christmas as we, uh, as we gave to the Russell House, as we, as we participated in Fair Villa, in the, the community outreach in Fair Villa, as we've at times had people go to serve the coalition uh, for the homeless. These are all ways that we join God in his mission. And as we do that, there's a far greater blessing in going than there is even, I believe, in the people that are simply receiving. And so social justice is a way that we join God in his mission. The third thing is cultural renewal. Cultural renewal. Jesus, uh, the scripture says in Genesis 1.28, I already read it, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion over it. And so God wants us to take the world and make something out of it. That's the cultural mandate. Now, this is often fulfilled uh, through our vocation, through our work, through finding purpose in our work beyond just being nice in our work. I, I don't know if you know that, but God has a purpose in your work beyond you just being a nice person. If you are a plumber, you are a blessing and a gift from God because in the kingdom of God, there is order. There is not overflowing messes. Amen? Anybody you've ever needed a plumber and that plumber may as well have been Jesus incarnate, right? You know what I'm saying? And so if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, there's value in the work that you're doing. Kingdom value is expressing the kingdom of God. And so we want to continue to encourage you to find purpose in your work, to, to understand how God's mission is fulfilled through your work. If, you, uh, if you're interested in that more, I'd recommend a great book by a friend of mine called Garden City. And it's a great, great book that, that just helps to explain um, that understanding of work as mission. But then the fourth thing, the fourth front of mission is personal evangelism. Personal evangelism. Now, I have to say, this is probably the least popular of all of the expressions of mission. Personal evangelism, sharing our faith with friends, with family, with coworkers, with neighbors, with people who are far from God, is probably the least popular. In fact, statistics show that that. 90% of people who follow Jesus have never shared their faith with anybody else. 90% of people and only 1% of people who follow Jesus have ever led someone else into a relationship with Jesus. And so personal evangelism it can often be a challenge, but, but it's actually so important. I don't want to say it's more important, but it's more foundational than every other form of mission. Because if a person's heart is not transformed, ultimately great plumbing or great, you know, designs or great whatever else the culture is, ultimately 
doesn't bring transformation in their life. And so we believe that God has called us. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's called you to share the good news with other people. He's called you to, to share the gospel. And I, I know that for some of us, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. But let me just tell you this. You do it. You share the good news of whatever you're excited about. People say, well, I'm not a preacher. I look at your Instagram and I'll tell you, you are a preacher. It's just, what are you preaching? What are you evangelizing? Apple even calls their, the people that promote their company evangelists. And so I believe that evangelism, oftentimes we, we go to one of two extremes. One is everybody's got to stand out on the street corner and like turn or burn, baby. You know what I'm saying? And I'll just say right now, if that's the only form of evangelism, I don't think I'm going to do that. Okay, I have to be honest with you. But the other side of it is totally the pendulum swinging the other way where we never share our faith with anyone. And so the way that, that I believe God is calling us in addition to, to a multitude of ways that we can do that, but I believe the very best way that I know to, to share the gospel is through, uh, it's really through relationships, but through the program of Alpha. And we are getting ready to kick off a new season of Alpha. And I am so excited about Alpha. I'm so excited. One, just because I love Alpha. It's a fun time, a great time to be together. But I love what God does in people's lives through Alpha. Alpha, maybe you're saying, what in the world is Alpha? Alpha is really an environment where people can just explore the, the Christian faith in a relaxed no pressure, no pushy uh, type of environment. It's just natural relationship. It's, a, it's an amazing, amazing environment. It's a safe space where, where no questions are off limits and, and where people uh, can share even their perspective as they've heard what the Bible teaches. And so it's an amazing, amazing thing. It's just got a simple format. Uh, we will be launching on February 11th, and it runs for eight weeks long. And every week, there's three components. Uh, the first component is food. Who's, who's with me on food? Who's a fan of food? Who, who can get behind that movement? Okay. Second is film. Is everybody okay with film? Okay. You, then you like Alpha. Three is uh, discussion. It's just sitting together and having a discussion. How many of you think you can do that? You can do that. Uh, you don't have to expound the Old Testament and the blood covenant and the, you know, Hebrew words for that. All you have to do is just have a conversation. All you have to do is invite somebody, bring somebody, sit with somebody, have a conversation. And Alpha is an amazing thing. It's, it's amazing for people that have maybe never had faith, but maybe have never had a place to explore what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's great for people that that maybe have been hurt in the past and, and maybe they would never come into an environment like this in church. But if you just say, hey, we're, we're just some friends getting together. It's this great thing called Alpha. We have food, we watch a short film. Then we have a little discussion and no pressure, no follow-up, no push. It's just a, a warm, welcoming environment. Many people would be open to that. 
Alpha is also good for, for us as followers of Jesus. It's like a total body workout, right? You ever heard of a total body workout? It's like, I can't spend an hour and a half at the gym, but this is, I don't know how it works, but these total body workouts, if you do this for five minutes, it's a total body workout. That's what Alpha is, okay? Honestly, it's great because every one of us has a different style of how we share our faith with other people. Maybe you're someone that you, you love to serve. Well, Alpha is a great place to serve, to, to help people, to, to, to do practical things. And uh, maybe you're somebody that's relational. You like to meet new people. You're the one that wants to be on the front door meeting everybody, coming in. It's a great place for that. Maybe you like to get into deep discussion. Anybody, you're the deep discussion type. Some of you, the deep discussion. Alpha is great for that. It's an environment to have a conversation without obligation. And so here's what I, I want to do is we are launching this, uh, this series about church on mission. Oftentimes we are really good about talking about conceptual things, but we're not so good about the practical things. Everybody, we can go, mission of God, yes. So what do we actually do? So here's what I want you to do. Worship team, you guys can come back up. Here's very simply three things that we all can do to join God in his mission in our community through Alpha. The first thing is this, to come, to come. I know some of us would say, well, I'm already a follower of Jesus. I understand that, but there's value. There, there's people that may be coming that, that need someone to have a conversation with, somebody to talk to. It's good for every one of us to, to use those uh, relational muscles to talk to people, to build relationships. And so I want to encourage, I know that it's impossible. Maybe some of us, we work on Monday nights and you just can't come. But I want to encourage every single one of us who is able to come, plan to be a part of it, plan to come. The second thing is invite, invite. Actually, let me say this. If you wanna come, I think out in the lobby, do we have them in the lobby, Sarah? Do we just have them in here? Okay. Is everybody awake still? All right, why don't you stand up to your feet because everybody's so quiet. Everybody's so quiet. Out in the lobby as you leave today, we have registration forms and I wanna encourage you, sign up in the lobby on your way out today. Also, we've got these invite cards that make it really easy for you to invite uh, other people. And uh, we have these out in the lobby. We also have, um, if you go to onechurch.net slash alpha, we've created a bunch of uh, graphics, social media graphics that you can just share, you can post, um, you can spread the word and, uh, and very practical, practical things. And then the last thing that you can do, you can come, you can invite, and then the third thing that you can do is, is serve. And uh, as we're inviting people in, there's lots of things, we've already started building a team, but there's lots of things that we need help with that, that we can rally behind as a church. Uh, but I want you to understand that even as we launch into this season of Alpha, that this is not just about putting on a program, this is about joining God in His mission. It's about moving out of the me zone and moving into the mission zone. Amen? And so all you have to do is go to onechurch.net slash alpha. Stop by the connection bar on your way out. I want to ask if you would just to, to bow your heads. And we're going to pray. And then we're going to just enter into a time.